6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America, batting down the hatches, Northeast U.S. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon in London, England, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 19.32. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Welcome in. I am, however, wearing my Saya Anak Malaysia shirt tonight. Very cool. We love this shirt. <laughs> we are live from Malaysia, and uh, we're across the planet. Our show also is a video replay. You can watch this, any episode you missed. 170 episodes tonight. Number 170. How about that? And, of course, our podcast listeners, thank you. The audio part of this show is a podcast. And uh, we put that up about 15 minutes after our live show ends. It's across all the platforms, Radio Public, Stitcher, Google, Podcasts, Apple, uh, you name it, wherever you listen. In fact, our folks in India, thank you so much. Our numbers are great in India and uh, Geo Savan. I hope I'm saying it right. No one's corrected me yet, so I'm guessing I am saying it right, Geo Savan. So anyway, thank you to our podcast listeners for your subscriptions and your downloads. Appreciate that. Wherever you may be watching us, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble.com. We are live on Rumble. Thank you for the folks watching and listening in over there on Rumble. Please hit that subscribe button wherever it is here. Uh, it's free, and it really helps the show a lot. Thank you. All right. We got a few things to talk about tonight. We also will get to our book, of course. We're reading Tom Sawyer, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer from the amazing uh, Mark Twain. And I mentioned for the folks in the, uh, in the northeast of the U.S. to buckle up because apparently, I mean, if you don't live in the U.S., you probably don't understand this, but local TV stations love heavy-duty winter storms. When I was growing up in Connecticut, we had the big two were eight, uh, Channel 8, and Channel 3. I almost said 8TV and TVTiga, <laughs> but it's almost the same here for broadcast channels. 3 and 8 are the biggies. Uh, anyway, WTNH and WFSB, uh, AT, uh, Channel 8 and Channel 3. Boy, I've been Malaysianized. Anyway, they love it. It's like Stormzilla, death and destruction. It's all going to end. I mean, it's bigger than COVID. You know, <laughs> They, they, you know, you get a few flakes that go crazy. But apparently a lot of the meteorologists agree this could be, has the potential to be, a very severe winter storm. How severe, you ask? Well, this is how severe. To all our loyal Dunkin' Donuts customers, Due to the impending storm, the following stores will be closed in Torrington tomorrow, South Main, Winstead Road, and Litchfield Road. Uh, the rest will be open normal hours, two on East Main gas stations and Litchfield, and they will update throughout the day if there's any changes. Thank you for your understanding and continued support. And somebody posted that with this picture. <laughs> Don Ifland. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, this is the kind of thing they're exposed. So look, if it's gotten so bad or potentially could be so bad that Dunkin' Donuts is closing, you know things are going to be <laughs> Things are going to be bad. So prepare for the worst. Get your Dunkin' Donuts now while you still can. I, we do have Dunkin' Donuts in Malaysia, by the way. Surprisingly enough, but yeah, we do. I think the brand that I remember from Torrington uh, that was a local brand was Best Eaten Donuts. Oh, they were good. Yeah, we we do not have Best Eaten Donuts, obviously, in Malaysia. But um, yeah, good stuff, Best Eaten. <laughs> and uh, hats off to uh, Dunkin' Donuts. It is the weekend for what we here in Malaysia call Balik Kampong, which means to go back to your hometown. Kampong is like a small village. Balik means go back, loosely translated. But this is the weekend for that, and this is uh, this is this is the weekend everybody takes off. And uh, if you are interested in what's going on right now on the roadways, and you're in Malaysia, maybe you're starting or just about to start your trip back. A lot of people wait till odd hours of the day to travel. And uh, this is a great site. Most people know this, but just in case you don't, and if you're not in Malaysia, visually might be a little interesting for you. We have more traffic cams in this country than I don't know what, than toll booths. More traffic cams than we have street lights, I think. We have a traffic cam everywhere. And you'll see here, these are these were just updated about, uh, what, 10 minutes ago, uh, 9.58 p.m. So they're fairly, fairly accurate. Here is, uh, let me get my mouse back. Here is uh, Bukit Bintan, Jalan Raja Chulan, over on this side. Pretty busy, actually, at the moment. And again, all of the, look at all these traffic camps. This is insane. Here's uh, Jalan Raja near Datan uh, Merdeka. But the big roads, the ones that head out of town and through by the toll booths, uh, there's Jalan Kuching, uh, Sultan Ismail, Tun Razak, not very busy traffic. And then you get up here to, where is it? Uh, the KL Seremban Highway, eh, not so bad. Here's where you would expect to see craziness. This is the KL Karak Highway. And this is the one that goes from the main city of Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, north. So if you're headed north, chances are you're going to be taking this road. Now, just a few hours ago and during the day, this road was jammed. I mean, bumper to bumper, not moving, packed. This is as of just, you know what, if we go down here and we hit refresh... The whole page will refresh. So here's the latest. This is from literally one minute ago. And still, not bad. So if you're thinking about heading out, now might not be a bad time. Uh, there is a relative from, at, at least at the Gombat Plaza toll, uh, there's a bit of traffic over there, but it doesn't look too bad. So we're not going to do live traffic updates all night, but because it is... It is a big weekend for everybody heading back home. Oh, by the way, if you're not, if you didn't know, the reason is because uh, Tuesday, Wednesday are the first two days of Chinese New Year. 
Monday would be Chinese New Year Eve. Huge celebration. And uh, everybody heads back home for their reunion dinners on Monday night. And uh, a lot of people are just taking the whole weekend off. And officially, Tuesday, Wednesday are the only official public holidays here. But most people are just scooting the whole week. So, um, yeah, so at the moment, not so bad. Doesn't look too bad out there. If you're thinking about Balik Kampong now, now might not be a bad idea. We actually went north last night. <laughs> Mm. We hit uh, Genting. Yeah, I know, but it'd been like a very long time. Uh, I did all right. I won some. I lost some. I wound up losing a little bit, just a little bit. But uh, we hadn't been in so long. We went up. We didn't get back until like four or five o'clock in the morning. And uh, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Oh, man. All right. What else we got going on? Oh, yeah. Our headline tonight. Please don't eat penguins. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have so many important things that are going on in the world right now. And in Malaysia. And somehow this makes news. Is there nothing else to write about? This is from uh, TRP. Uh, That's what it is. It's TRP. The link's in our show notes tonight if you want to check it out. Again, remember last stream we did that idiot director, whatever he was, from wildlife said that clearing the jungles helps the, the, the tigers? Some moron. Anyway... Not to be outdone, a senator from Malaysia has called penguins cute and halal. <laughs> if you're looking at our video live feed, you see the headline, netizens are surprised that it's actually permissible to eat them. But is it legal? I don't, seriously, I'm beginning to wonder why I do these stories. Uh, Darren's, hey, Darren, welcome in. Good to see you. Uh, Genting is east. Karak is east, not north. Oh, okay, technical, technical. It's in general, it's north. I know. I, I'm in Subang Jaya, so everything to me is north unless I'm going to Malacca or Johor. <laughs> but thank you for the correction. I am using something you posted tonight, so stand by for that. And thank you for that. All right. In Islam, there is a food which is halal, which means it's permissible to eat it, and a food that is haram, which means it is prohibited to eat it. This is according to the religion of Islam. And uh, some animals, like pigs, Carnivores that hunt with their fangs, tigers, lions, etc. Uh, birds that hunt with their talons, like eagles and hawks. And amphibians, frogs, for example, would be haram, not permitted to be eaten in, uh, in Islam. Uh, talking about this situation, one Twitter account brought up a rather peculiar animal and asked about its halal status. Now look, I don't know why. They asked. I don't think they had any plans for dinner. 
And as far as I know, there are no penguins native to Malaysia. Oh, man. But the reply by uh, Senator Dr. Zulkifli Mohammed al-Bakri is even more amusing. Uh, it's, it's, it's in Malay, so let me translate, or let TRP translate. The question was, what's the rule of eating penguin meat? And the Twitter account asked the question. Um, the senator himself replied with this answer, cute and halal. However, some of the species, like the emperor penguin, are endangered. Hence, we should all protect them. Now, probably just some Q&A content to educate the public about Islamic information. Uh, but as educating as it is, uh, we the article writes, we can't keep from raising an eyebrow uh, by the answer with the term cute and halal. Uh, netizens flooded the comments section with stunned and speechless reaction, cute and halal, and they posted all kinds of cute pictures of penguins and said, no, don't eat them. Some even joked there should be a recipe and tips on, on how to slaughter the penguins because they don't seem to have necks. Dark humor, but humor nevertheless. And uh, Maiden, social media admin, also quoted the tweet joke for the public and said, you cannot find penguin meat at Maiden. We don't sell it. <laughs> Oh, man. He, he did answer the question with a yes. A lot of people pointed out they thought the creatures that live in both water and land uh, were halal, or not halal, uh, haram. Uh, his short answer was penguins are a species of seabird, and hence all species of seabirds, except storks, and there are mixed opinions about that, are halal to eat, according to the uh, Mahab of Shafi. I believe I totally butchered that pronunciation. Anyway, people had a big deal with this. I don't, because honestly, I think he was just being funny. I mean, the man's not stupid. And uh, it just became a ridiculous thing the public picked up on. Not a lot of woo-ha, and there shouldn't be. Uh, technically, they would be halal. Realistically, if you eat one, you're an idiot. So... Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, lay off the penguins, huh? Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. <laughs> that is, by the way, uh, one of my favorite, favorite cartoon characters is the penguins from Madagascar. That is, and King Julian. The king is the best by far. But the penguins always, always make me laugh. <laughs> All right. What else have we got here? Oh, my friend Zane, he was a guest on our show a while back. He posted this. I thought it was a good connector here because it's sort of animal related. Did you know there used to be animal trials? Serious. In the Middle Ages, animal trials were common. Animals were believed to possess concepts of morality and rationality and they were often tried brought to court and charged with crimes and tried the same as a human lawyers would defend a slew of animals from dogs horses pigs rats sheep 
and more. Judges routinely would consider animals' personal circumstances before making a legal decision. So there was a time in those wonderful Middle Ages where we actually brought animals to court and charged them with crimes. I'm wondering, if they get convicted, how do they serve their time? Locked in a cage? Behind a fence? Doesn't seem like much punishment to me. But there you go. <laughs> get charged with the crime. Hang on, coffee break time. <laughs> yeah, Miko Mug. You want some merchandise? We've got our show logo and Miko's face on the mug. We got a mouse pad, t-shirts, ball caps, hoodies, stickers. Uh, there's a link in our description down there below in our show notes. Uh, where you can go right to the page and check out all the Miko merchandise from uh, I'm Not Wearing Pants. And please do that if you wouldn't mind. Pick up something for a birthday or a holiday. All right, Darren, here we go. I promised you something and... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I am not a vegetarian. I am a meat eater. I loves me some meat. And there are a lot of people who are, you know, my attitude is like everything when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to whatever your opinion is, no matter how controversial, no matter how much I disagree with it, unless it affects me personally, you do you. You want to be a vegetarian? You do you. I'll do me. I'm not going to criticize you for what your choices are. And neither should you criticize me. We all live on this little blue ball marble together, and you do you. But occasionally, it leaks over into other people's lives, or sadly, our pets' lives. By the way, if you, if you haven't followed on, I think it's Twitter. There is a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok. Trust me. I'm not going to say anymore. Just trust me. You need to follow Libs of TikTok. Just look it up. Do a, do a search on Twitter for it. Funny as hell. This one, no doubt, came from something like that. And uh, good friend Darren, who was a guest on our show also a little while ago, uh, he wrote, Humanity, retarded and devolving. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, let me try and make sure that I've got... Here we go. I might be double-voiced for a little bit, but I wanted you to be able to hear this idiot. Watch this. My dog's a vegetarian, so I have this set up right now for you guys to see. We have this really gross... Um, it's like a beef, like dog food. And then I have this delicious green salad. So I'm gonna bring her out and we're gonna see which one she likes. Also, my dog is very healthy. She loves greens, she loves her salad, and I don't force her to eat her salad. It's what she likes. Come here, come here, okay. Okay, so this is Bonnie. She is my little <clears throat> vegetarian, okay? Now, no, 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 don't eat that. No, 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 eat that salad, look, salad. You yeah, salad? the dog's not having it. Here, pick one. No. No, no, no. 
The dog goes straight for the dog food every time. Could not care a fig about the lovely salad that her vegetarian dog, (laughs) she claims, is interested in. This, uh, honestly, uh, seriously, you know what? Here we go. You deserve it. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. (laughs) Uh, You deserve that, okay? You absolutely deserve that. So there you go. Ah, man. And thank you, Darren, for for posting that. It's, uh, yeah, it's just something else. All right. Uh, we got a couple more things here, and then we're going to get to our book tonight. But, um, oh, and one really cool thing. Uh, wait wait till you see this. It's what we'll end with before we get on with our book. But before we get to that, I want to I talk about Chili Sauce's article. Very cool. Very weird. Uh, as you know, we just talked about halal penguins uh in our last show i think or a show or two before we talked about this idiot and his saying cutting down the forests even responsibly would help the tigers moron uh so anyway chili sauce.my great great site if you want to check it out the link is in our show notes in the description down below that is the show notes so do check it out click on the link and uh, you'll be able to read the whole article it's uh, it's local here to malaysia but uh, you'll find it interesting trust me no matter where you you may be uh, listening or or watching in from and uh, again here it is from chili sauce.my six malaysian wildlife trivia guaranteed to stop assassin orangutans mid-swing yeah that's another one we had some moron uh, claiming orangutans would be uh, attacking i'm not even going there i think we covered it um this cute little thing is actually venomous and this amazing bird is not really found in sarawak even though if i'm not mistaken it's like the logo for sarawak Sarawak, by the way, is one of the states in Malaysia. We are two. We are a two-parted country, if you don't know. Uh, Darren says we need to do a show on speciesism and ethnocentrism. Not a bad idea, actually. Um, anyway, uh, there's peninsular Malaysia, which has a whole bunch of states. That's where I live. And then across the sea, on the island of Borneo, there's a big chunk of that carved out, which is two additional states, Sabah and Sarawak. And uh, the uh, Sarawak and Sa- I've been to Sabah. I've never yet been to Sarawak, and I'm dying to go. Malaysian wildlife has been in the spotlight recently. It's funny and sad at the same time. And um, they were discussing negative sentiments surrounding palm oil in Saudi Arabia. And uh, the minister implied orangutans are more likely to kill people than be killed by us. Stupid. Uh, Anyway, oh, and that we have lions roaming around in Malaysia. Obviously, we do not have lions in Malaysia. If you thought we did, you're an idiot. We have tigers, although they're dwindling and they're going to go extinct if we don't do something. Uh, But anyway... So this fool says this, blah, 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 the other thing. Get to the meat of the article, Jay. This uncommon animal 
may smell like popcorn. Seriously? Frazzled-looking raccoon creature is known as an... Forgive me, I'm going to mess up these names. Binturong, uh, a.k.a. a bear cat. And despite the name, they're not a bear and they're not a cat. They are viverids, a group of cat-like uh, carnivores that include civets. And we have civet cats. In fact, across the... Uh, you see them at night walking along the wires and the rooftops. Uh, I saw a pair on the rooftop of my neighbor's house across the street the other night. It was very cool. Um, they basically look like a big cat. Uh, not not tiger-sized, but, you know, a big cat. Um, and among the uncommon group, Binturong started uh, stand out because of several things. They have a muscular prehensile tail, almost like a monkey's tail, as it can support their body weight. And the females are dominant in the species. How about that? This is so cool. Maybe this bores you, but to me it's fascinating. Uh, there are also uh, many uh, omnivorous, despite their carnivore classification. Very cool. And apparently they rely on scent for communications. So they have scent glands near their rear ends uh, for the purpose. And no exception. Interesting, their scent may smell a lot like Popcorn, because of the chemicals they produce. Two acetyl and one pyrroline, which is a common product, the Maillard reaction. Whatever, it's getting too scientific. It's not fun. But uh, that's what happens when you caramelize brown food, uh, brown food and caramelize sugars. So, if you suddenly smell popcorn in the jungle, it might not be a movie theater. It might be one of these guys. Very cool. All right. Yeah. See, it isn't actually Sarawak's state bird. One of these birds is and one isn't. These hornbills, which are fascinating birds. If you've not seen them, you're listening to the podcast. Please check out our video part of the show because these birds are amazing. Or just do a web search for hornbills. H-O-R-N-B-I-L-L. -L. Uh there are slight differences between these two guys. And the one on the left is the rhinoceros hornbill, the state bird of Sarawak. The one on the right is the great hornbill, and you actually can't find them in Sarawak. And uh, telling the uh, difference is easy once you know what to look for. The great hornbills have yellowish necks, you'll see that there, and white bands on their feathers. And the uh, rhinoceros hornbill does not. <laughs> Other than that, they're pretty close, really. So that's cool. Uh, this little animal actually is venomous. Isn't that weird? It's a, known as a slow loris uh, or kong kang locally. I didn't know we even... We have these in Malaysia? How cool is that? Apparently we do, because there's a local name for them. It's called Kong Kong. Uh, some reason people believe the slow loris has supernatural qualities. Oh, here we go. Its body parts, sadly, are often used for medicines or curse ingredients by some morons in Southeast Asia. Some cultures believe they're bad luck and killing them uh, on sight. Others in uh, rural Indonesian Borneo, that's the other part of the island where Sarawak and Sabah are, 
They believe they are the gatekeepers to heaven, with each person having a personal slow uh, loris waiting for them in the afterlife. If I do indeed have one, it is so slow. It is the uber slow loris. I'm very sure of that. But anyway, uh, strangely enough, they have a venom and glands near their elbows. So, and I want to get into an elbow fight with these guys. This is just the coolest stuff. Pangolins. We also have pangolins, which are these amazing prehistoric looking creatures. Sadly, yeah, with a hell of a tongue, if you just see that picture that came up. Um, but yeah, pan uh, pangolins are amazing. They are sadly prized uh, in the black market. It is very illegal to own, hunt, or possess these things, but sadly, some of the poachers do. Um, but the scales on a pangolin are made from the same material as our fingernails. That's something I did not know. Check this out, please. I won't spend much more time on it, but you really got to check it out. It's, it's in the show notes tonight. Check on the link below at chilisauce.my. And fascinating little weird stuff about some of the animals that we have uh, here in Malaysia. Uh, very cool. All right, we, we covered this. Uh, back when we were having all the floods in Sri Muda and uh, around Malaysia uh, because of the heavy rains, the floods mostly have subsided. There are still a few landslide problems and, you know, they're still and will be for months, I'm sure, cleaning up the unbelievable mess. And so if you, uh, it doesn't get a lot of publicity these days, but if there are things you can do, you can volunteer, you can help out financially. There are still funds set up. It doesn't take much to search for them and find them and make sure they're legit and then give what you can if you can. But we did a story about uh, this amazing woman and her house that just literally was swept away. If there was an iconic picture, I think, that came out of all the flood coverage, it was this one right here with the lady sitting on her front step and that's all there is left of the house. You see behind her here? The, the front steps are, are it. Everything else, gone. But the good news is that uh, Ululangat House, with only stairs left after the flood, will be rebuilt for free. All thanks to Ebit Lu. And wow. That is, yeah. That is such good news. Uh, an elderly lady left devastated. Her family home just literally dr drifted away in the flood and left behind only the, the stairs to the house. Uh, there you go. There's a before. Look at that. All right. Forget this. Advertising. Thank for, by the way, this is World of Buzz. Links in the show notes. So check it out. Thank you, World of Buzz. Uh, thankfully, she will soon have a new home in place of the old one. And she can make new memories with her family and friends. Uh, Ustaz Ebit Lu announced on his Facebook page he will rebuild the elderly auntie's home completely. And there is that iconic picture. Uh, I'm grateful to be able to gift 76-year-old Rohana Mahfuz a new home after her house was swept away by the flood. All that was left, just the staircase. And he wrote... We will rebuild the home. And that is just, oh, look, there's maybe doing some planning here or something. 
He shared that the auntie had cried upon meeting him and that she spent a month wondering how she was going to get her home back. Uh, from the start, she just kept crying. She said she was, it was the happiest day for her to be able to, uh, to meet him. He called up the contractors. Plans for the new house commenced. And uh, inshallah, which is a way of saying God willing, uh, we'll build a new house for this auntie. She has no husband, no children. And thankfully, she had uh, siblings and neighbors who helped her. And many from the community also who came through for this auntie. So some great news, some wonderful news about the amazing human beings we have here in Malaysia. And I just had to share that with you, kind of follow up, because we did the story at, at a time when that poor lady's house was just gone. And she's sitting on the steps, and that's all there is left of her house is just the steps. So, all right. So some good news. Nice to hear that for a change. We need more good news, huh? All right, it's time, my friends. It is time to groove on over to the adventures of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> we, uh, we've been reading books on this show from the very beginning. This is our 170th show, which is amazing. And uh, thank you for all the folks who have subscribed and followed us uh, to our channels, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and of course, Rumble.com, our new place on Rumble. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Darren liked the stream. Thank you, Darren. And uh, you can do it. See how, how easy it is? You just hit that button that says follow or subscribe, and it's free. That's it. Click. You're done. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, we have been reading books on this show, classic books that come from the Gutenberg Project, Gutenberg.org. You'll find them there. They're all free. All the classics, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, uh, Little Prince, Velveteen Rabbit, uh, we, we, Alice in Wonderland. We're doing Tom Sawyer. It's a very long book. This is like 20, 30 over chapters. So we're on chapter, what is it tonight? 11, I think. Yeah. And uh, we're going to keep going and we're going to move on into it now. This is uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. Just a piece of advice. I say this before I read this chapter and these chapters of this book every time. This was written in 1876 by Mark Twain. Some of the words in this story, while appropriate at the time in 1876, today are considered vulgar. We, however, are reading the book as it was written. That will include some N-words, that was okay in 1876, not so much today, of course, but we are reading what was written then. If that sort of thing offends you, you might want to find something else to do for the next 15 minutes or so. So That's called covering my butt. Now it's been covered. All right, here we go. It's chapter 11 of Tom Sawyer. Close upon the hour of noon, the whole village was suddenly electrified by the ghastly news. No need of the as-yet-undreamt-of telegraph. The tale flew from man to man, from group to group, house to house, with little less than telegraphic speed. Of course, 
the schoolmaster gave holiday for that afternoon, the town would have thought strangely of him if he had not. A gory knife had been found close to the murdered man, and it had been recognized by somebody as belonging to Muff Potter, so the story ran. And it was said that a belated citizen had come upon Potter washing himself in the branch about one or two o'clock in the morning, and that Potter had once sneaked off suspicious circumstances, especially the washing, which was not a habit with Potter. It was also said that the town had been ransacked for this murderer, the public, are not slow in the matter of sifting evidence and arriving at a verdict. But he could not be found. Horsemen had departed down all the roads in every direction, and the sheriff was confident that he would be captured before night. All the town was drifting toward the graveyard. Tom's heartbreak vanished, and he joined the procession, not because he would not a thousand times rather go anywhere else, but because an awful, unaccountable fascination drew him on. Arrived at the dreadful place, he wormed his small body through the crowd and saw the dismal spectacle. It seemed to him an age since he was there before. Somebody pinched his arm. He turned, and his eyes met Huckleberry's. Then both looked elsewhere at once and wondered if anybody had noticed anything in their mutual glance. But everybody was talking and intent upon the grisly spectacle before them. Poor fellow, poor young fellow. This ought to be a lesson to grave robbers. Muff Potter'll hang for this if they catch him. It was a drift of remark, said the minister, said it was a judgment. His hand is here. Now Tom shivered from head to heel, for his eye fell upon the solid face of Injun Joe. At this moment, the crowd began to sway and struggle, and voices shouted, It's him! It's him! He's coming himself! Who? Who? From twenty voices. Muff Potter! Hello, he's stopped! Look out! He's turning! Don't let him get away! People in the branches of the trees over Tom's head said he wasn't trying to get away. He only looked doubtful and perplexed. Infernal impudence, said a bystander. Wanted to come and take a quiet look at his work, I reckon. I, I didn't expect any company. The crowd fell apart now, and the sheriff came through, ostentatiously leading Potter by the arm. The poor fellow's face was haggard. His eyes showed the fear that was upon him. When he stood before the murdered man, he shook as with palsy, and he put his face in his hands and burst into tears. I didn't do it, friends, he sobbed. Pin my word and honor, I never done it. Who's accused you? shouted a voice. This shot seemed to carry home. Potter lifted his face and looked around with a pathetic hopelessness in his eyes. He saw Injun Joe and exclaimed, Oh, Injun Joe, you promised me you'd never... Is that your knife? was thrust before him by the sheriff. Potter would have fallen had they not caught him and eased him to the ground. 
And then he said, Something told me that if I wasn't to come back and get... He shuddered. Then he waved his nervousless hand with a vanquished gesture and said, Tell him, Joe, tell him. It ain't any use anymore. And then Huckleberry and Tom stood dumb and staring, heard the stony-hearted liar reel off his serene statement, they expecting every moment that the clear sky would deliver God's lightnings upon his head and wondering to see how long the stroke was delayed. And when he had finished and stood alive and whole, their wavering impulse to break their oath and save the poor betrayed prisoner's life faded and vanished away, for plainly this miscreant had sold himself to Satan, and it would be fatal to meddle with the property of such a power as that. Why didn't you leave? Why did you want to come here for? Somebody said. I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Potter moaned. I wanted to run away, but I, but I couldn't seem to come anywhere but here. And he fell to sobbing again. Injun Joe repeated his statement just as calmly a few minutes afterward on the inquest under oath. And the boys, seeing that the lightnings were still withheld, were confirmed in their belief that Joe had sold himself to the devil. He was now become to them the most bavefully interesting object they had ever looked upon, and they could not take their fascinated eyes from his face. The inwardly they resolved to watch him nights when opportunity should offer in the hope of getting a glimpse of his dread master. Injun Joe helped to raise the body of the murdered man and put it in a wagon for removal and it was whispered through the shuddering crowd that the wound bled a little. The boys thought that this happy circumstance would turn suspicion in the right direction, but they were disappointed, for more than one villager remarked, It was within three feet of Muff Parker when he'd done it. Tom's fearful secret and gnawing conscience disturbed his sleep for as much as a week after this. And at breakfast one morning, Sid said, Tom, you pitch around and talk in your sleep so much you kept me awake half the time. Tom blanched and dropped his eyes. It's a bad sign, said Aunt Polly gravely. When you got on your mind, what do you got on your mind, Tom? Nothing. Nothing I know of. But the boy's hand shook, so he spilled his coffee. And... You do talk such stuff, Sid said. Last night you said, it's blood, it's blood. That's what it is. You said that over and over and over again. And you said, don't torment me so, I'll tell. Tell what? What is it you'll tell? Everything was swimming before Tom. There was no telling what might happen now. But luckily the concern passed out of Aunt Polly's face and she came to Tom's relief without knowing it. She said, shoo, it's that dreadful murder. I dreamt about it almost every night myself. Sometimes I dream it's me that done it. Mary said she'd been affected much the same way. Sid seemed satisfied. Tom got out of the presence as quick as he possibly could. And after that, he complained of toothache for a week. 
tied up his jaws every night. He never knew that Sid lay nightly watching and frequently slipped the bandage free and then leaned on his elbow, listening a good while at a time, and afterward slipped the bandage back into place again. Tom's distress of mind wore off gradually, and the toothache grew irksome and was discarded. If Sid really managed to make anything out of Tom's disjointed mutterings, he kept it to himself. It seemed to Tom that his schoolmates never would get done holding inquests on dead cats, and thus keeping his trouble present to his mind. Sid noticed that Tom never was coroner at one of these inquiries, though it had been his habit to take the lead in all new enterprises. He noticed, too, and Tom never acted as a witness. And that was strange. Sid did not overlook the fact that Tom even showed a marked aversion to these inquests and always avoided them when he could. Sid marveled, but said nothing. However, even inquests went out of vogue at last and ceased to torture Tom's conscience. Every day or two, during this time of sorrow, Tom watched his opportunity, went to the little grated jail window, and smuggled such small comforts through to the murderer as he could get hold of. The jail was a trifling little brick den that stood on a marsh at the edge of the village. No guards were afforded to it. Indeed, it was seldom occupied. These offerings greatly helped to ease Tom's conscience. The villagers had a strong desire to tar and feather Injun Joe and ride him on a rail for body snatching. But so formidable was his character that nobody could be found willing to take the lead in the matter, and so it was dropped. He'd been careful to begin both of his inquest statements with the fight, without confessing the grave robbery that preceded it. Therefore, it was deemed wisest not to try the case in the courts at present. And that's chapter 11. We will continue on with our story with chapter 12, coming up in our next live stream, which is Monday night, Chinese New Year Eve. We'll be joining you live at 10 o'clock Malaysian time. That's it for us, folks. I will see you again on Monday, 10 p.m. Thanks so much for your likes, follows, subscriptions. Just hit that button. It's free. You'll find it down here or over there or up there or over there or wherever. Follow, subscribe, like, share. Thank you. I'm Jay Sheldon. I am not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>